Hello and welcome to We Love This, formerly Pointless Frivolity, because I am nothing if not a work in progress. So I changed the name, partly to make it easier to find, but also because we're still figuring this out. We're still figuring out what this is, what we're talking about. I know what we're talking about today, and I am very excited. What has not changed is we are still a podcast about pop culture, reality TV, and things we've called guilty pleasures that now we just call pleasures. I am your host, Aviva Manon. You can follow me on Instagram at we love this pod. Today we're going to talk about Real Housewives of Miami, get caught up on the season to date, touch down with these ladies, what's going on, And then there is an article in Variety called The 40 Most Powerful Women in Reality TV, and I think it deserves a discussion. It deserves a second glance, and so we'll talk about that as well. How are you, though? How was your Thanksgiving? I need to tell you this. I have not eaten a pumpkin pie yet. It is still on my to-do list. I still haven't done it. For various reasons, I did not super partake in Thanksgiving festivities this year, I do love Thanksgiving. I want all of those mushy foods together on my plate with bright red cranberry sauce from a can. I love it. I want it. It's one of my favorite meals of the year. Pumpkin pie is not only one of my favorite desserts, it's actually one of my favorite breakfasts. It is such a good post-Thanksgiving day breakfast leftover. And because it is made primarily of a vegetable, I do believe it's essentially equivalent to having um, salad for breakfast. This year, I am thankful for so much, but one of the things I am deeply thankful for is the return of the Real Housewives of Miami. I have mentioned this time and time again that it is probably my favorite franchise. All of the characters, all of the cast members are consistently delivering. They are all so memorable. They're so strong, not to mention the super high production value, gorgeous scenery, incredible looks. It just is the total package. And this season is a good one. We really start off with Alexia drinking spicy, skinny margaritas all over Miami. She and her rainbow Chanel bag just popping from restaurant to restaurant to have a skinny spicy marg. But then she finally meets with Adriana who comes in waving a literal white flag. A literal white flag to represent peace, she says. She never says the word surrender, which I think is the actual meaning of waving a white flag but but she keeps saying oh I'm coming in peace and it's very interesting and Alexia does this too a lot of this episode she's like I'm holding my I saw my actions and I wasn't happy about the way things went so I'm holding myself accountable to get everybody together and talk about it and have a new beginnings party which is very similar to Heather Gay's New Beginnings Party. Well, sorry, no, Alexia's is a New Horizons Party. Uh, uh, Heather's was the New Beginnings Party. Either way, you know, someone is planning their parties and it's not Gertie. There 
having a tense conversation. I don't know if they actually land anywhere. And that's the kind of frustrating thing about both of them. You know, Alexia is holding herself accountable to get the girls together, but she's not always the most accountable about what her behavior is. And Adriana, she just, I, you know, her fights are big plot points often, but they're, they're feeling a little unnecessary. They're feeling very unnecessary. I mean, especially the way this last episode, episode four ended with Adriana being really pissed because Adriana was crop dusting a sprinter van and Marisol and Alexia like made a joke about it. And I have to be honest with you, if you, if I were in a sprinter van with you and one of us was crop dusting, it would be the other person's actual responsibility to make jokes about crop dusting a sprinter van. Anyway, there's something about her energy that is feeling very Ramona Singer. It's a level of unpleasantness that takes away from whatever else silliness, frivolity, whatever is going on in the background. She's obviously very jealous of Alexia and Alexia's wealth. We come back to it again at the end of the fourth episode. And I I just I just don't think that Adriana has enough self-awareness and enough um, cleverness to make up for her nastiness and negativity. And everything from these fights that she's picking and the way that she sort of talked about the decisions that she would make in a house that got redesigned that I'll get to in a second they're just they're they're not clever and they're they're unpleasant versus Marisol who can be quite unpleasant but I also think she's pretty pretty funny okay so um speaking of Alexia speaking of Marisol I love their friendship it feels really so genuine I know they've been friends for a long time they're they're so sweet with each other and same with uh, Gertie and Nicole, they seem to just be developing such a sweet and warm friendship. And Gertie's husband, Russell, is truly the number one house husband of all times. He's better looking than most of them. He is absolutely a better person than most of them. He is really like, a seems like a good quality guy. And I love I love their love. I really do. Unfortunately, Gertie was diagnosed with cancer and I really felt for her. What a terrible thing to go through. You know, and even showing up to events when she's like waiting for the diagnosis is so commendable. Those waiting games are such a mind fuck. And I I really feel for her that she was able to like show up and like be somewhat present and yeah she fell apart but I would too I have I mean I had a situation where I had to get some testing done and even just waiting for the results and I was like I can't leave my house I can't do anything I have to just sit and wait for this or else I will fall apart now the event that she falls apart at is a surprise coming home party that Larsa throws for her boyfriend, Marcus Jordan. What is he coming home from, you may ask? Is it two years in the Peace Corps? Is it an army tour? Is it a long-term 
work project abroad? No, it was five days in Orlando. And she threw him a welcome home party. And there's things about this relationship that I don't love. I think she is, I have a whole working theory about Larsa Pippin. But let's talk about who are the characters in this relationship. You may recognize some of the last names. Larsa Pippin and Marcus Jordan. You may say to me, those sound like basketball player last names. Oh, right, like Scottie Pippen. As it turns out, her ex-husband was Scottie Pippen. You also may know that Scottie Pippen had a working relationship with another famous basketball player named Michael Jordan. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because Marcus Jordan's last name is also Jordan. Oh my gosh, he is actually Michael Jordan's son. There is an age difference, right? There is an age difference. She's 49, he's 32. 17 years is, you know, at that point in life, not the biggest deal in the world. And I think, you know, a man approaching 50, dating a woman in her early 30s, again, it's like within the realm, right? We see it all the time. That is fine. The thing that gets me about this relationship is that she knew him when he was a baby and a kid. And I think that changes something. I think that changes the texture of your relationship. I don't know. What do you think? Is it really off base of me to say, under different circumstances, I don't have a problem with this structure of relationship, but I think it's weird when you knew the kid and when you were 20 and they were three or when you were... 27 and they were 10. Don't love it. I don't love it. Now, I do really like Lisa Hochstein's boyfriend, Jody. I was going into this season expecting to be a hater, expecting to judge him. And maybe it's the fact that he's Canadian um, that I'm fine with him, but he seems very nice. It seems like he's really understanding, he's really patient, he's successful in his own right. And I, I am happy for them. My one thought about this situation is that Lisa's like, I should probably get a therapist, but that's okay. Like Jody's my therapist. And so she's constantly on the phone with him talking about all the ins and outs of the divorce stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking not that you shouldn't talk to him about all of this stuff, but like also maybe get a therapist also, you know. But funny coincidence, Jody owned the house that Adriana lived in with her ex-husband for about a decade. And so that's why Adriana has opinions about its decor. But she and Lenny started dating when she was so young and they got married when she was so young and they were together a very long time that in some ways this is really like starting her adult dating relation, like life again for the first time. And I'm happy for her and I hope that he continues to be a nice guy. There's no red flags. And I hope she gets a therapist because it's a lot to deal with under the best of circumstances. And these are not the best of circumstances. Okay. Now, speaking of circumstances, let's talk about our friend Julia, who looks gorgeous this season. I love her shorter hair. It makes her look very young, very fresh. It's so pretty. Now, Martina went through cancer this year as well. Martina is Julia's wife. And it was, sounds like it was a very 
challenging period and to celebrate Martina's finishing treatment and, you know, being done with her cancer battle, Julia decides that she wants to learn to sing opera and perform for Martina as a way to commemorate the occasion. We've had some musical misadventures on The Real Housewives before. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get a classic banger like Tardy for the Party, The Ring Didn't Mean a Thing, Good as Gold, Money Can't Buy You Class. I mean, truly, like those are all incredible classic hits. I was actually also been thinking about Paris Hilton's music career because she's still doing it. I mean, she's she's a DJ, but I really like some of her music. And if you want to kind of go back on in a time machine with me to the early aughts and think about like rumors by Lindsay Lohan like that was also a banger and did you hear the mix-up of Adele and Lindsay Lohan like it's pretty awesome That's the Craig Vanity remix. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. I will link it in the show notes. Anyway, we have gotten distracted by our auburn-haired queens, Adele and Lindsay Lohan. I would go to their concert in a heartbeat. I would love to see them perform together. Anyway, we were talking about Real Housewives bangers. And, and of course, um, Good as Gold, Sheena Shea's gold record. And we're not going to get that from Julia, I don't think. But I'm just, I really commend her for learning a new skill as a beginner 
not being great at it, but still putting it out there. And I've been thinking about this a lot with, you know, with myself, with some of the things that I'm working on, this podcast included, which is that you can't be good at something before you do it. Of course, there are people who have natural talents, who have natural ability, but even they need to refine their craft. They need to um, practice. They need to get feedback. They need to get the mechanics of whatever they're doing. And so Julia kind of taking on this new hobby, taking it seriously, and then putting it out in the world is really commendable. And I just want to encourage you to do the same thing. If there's something that you have not been doing because you're worried that it's like cringy or it's embarrassing, like just please do it. You don't have to share it, but I guarantee that it's not going to feel as terrible to share it as it might, you might think. And if you don't do it, you're letting other people's judgments of you control you and make your decisions for you. And I think I spent too much of my life doing that. And it's just such a waste because think about all of the time that you could be spending doing something that you're interested in or you're passionate about. And yeah, you may not be great at it. It may be a little cringy, but 99.99% of the people who would give you negative feedback are never going to be in your space. And if it's something that you put out on the internet, you cannot read the comments. You should do the thing. You should play the music. You should audition for the for the performance. You should write the book. You should do the thing. And I just want you to know that the more you accept other people and um, support their endeavors without snark, without making fun of it, the easier it'll be for you to accept your own work. And so I just want to commend Julia. What she did was really hard. And yes, it was bad, but you can't be good at something if you're not bad at it first. Unless you are Adele, who is just naturally one of the most talented people in the world. And I would argue that Miss Lindsay Lowen was a natural born performer. And we miss you, girl. We miss you. Come back. Speaking of snark, speaking of being a hater, let's do a little bit of that. No, let's not do a little bit of that. Not exactly. Let's critique. Let's have a little bit of media critique right here. Variety published an article called Real Women Rule. Variety anoints the 40 most powerful women in reality television in 2023. Now, the authors say that it wasn't easy, but for the first time, we've gathered a list of the most powerful women on reality TV over the last year. These women have not only helped make unscripted television entertaining, but have also found a way to reach new audiences in a fresh way. Some of them even answered our nosy questions below. Now, this article is fine. Variety is more than able to publish like a puff piece and I would point to a lot of things to say that this is a puff piece but what I get annoyed by is when an opportunity is missed and this feels like a huge missed opportunity because it is a fluff piece and not an actual conversation about what makes women in reality tv powerful what is their power and so the blurbs that they have about each of these women and they're not even just one woman per 
listing, like the Kardashians is, is one of the um, 40. They're just basically like very high level biographic information and like what they actually do. For, so for example, Mel B. Mel B is best known as Scary Spice thanks to her decades performing with the Spice Girls. Okay, so the Spice Girls were actually only a band for like two years and then they broke up and they've had some reuniting. But like they did not perform together for decades. But she's also been on unscripted television for more than 15 years, appearing as a judge on America's Got Talent, The X Factor in the UK, and The Masked Singer Australia. This year, she competed on Fox's Special Forces, World's Toughest Test, and judged Paramount's Queen of the Universe. And while she's not on dating shows, she likes to watch them. I can't get enough of Married at First Sight, says Melby. I've watched every version there is, and I find it totally fascinating. Okay, so was this one of the nosy questions, like what show do you watch? What makes her powerful? She's done a lot. She's had a lot of jobs. But what actually makes her powerful? The next entry, Christine Brown, from TLC's smash hit Sister Wives. Despite being one of four wives of Cody Brown, she was able to break out and create a new life for herself. So much so that she stayed close with the other members of the family after choosing to split from Cody. This year, she even married someone new. She also seemingly gave the other wives the strength to know they could too, which both Janelle Brown and Mary Brown did. Now Christine focuses on watching more relaxing shows with her new husband, David, telling Variety, the reality show I can't get enough of is Dancing with the Stars. I just started watching it with David. It's amazing. Again, what is power, right? We've got this nugget of saying she did wield power in the sense that she inspired her sister wives to also leave a marriage that wasn't working for them. But what is the implication of that power outside of her marriage. Barbara Corcoran and Lori Grenier. As an author, motivational speaker, and investor, Corcoran has been on ABC's Shark Tank since its debut in 2009. Three years later, Grenier, an investor and entrepreneur, joined the Sharks, and the pair have been unstoppable ever since. With impeccable negotiating skills and kindness, Grenier and Corcoran have paved the way for women in business. The biggest misconception about me is that I'm a serious investor I play is that I'm the serious investor I play on Shark Tank, Corcoran tells Variety. Truth be told, I don't have a serious bone in my body. So first of all, these are two different people who have different careers and ostensibly different like levers of power. And one of the things that is, I think, curious about Barbara Corcoran is that she is a very, very successful real estate broker in New York City and my guess is that she owns quite a bit of real estate. I get would guess she owns some investment properties and so like you could actually talk about the way that she transformed the real estate industry in New York. You could probably talk about specific things that they have done to use their power to catalyze success for women women in business. Again, this could be a fluff piece like that's fine, but it's just, it's such a missed opportunity. We also have groupings of women. So we have the D'Amelio family, which is Charlie Dixie and their mom. I don't know her first name. She was on Dancing with the Stars. They have, oh, Heidi, they have had a show themselves. And of course, you know, they're very much on social media, but like they are three different people. And Charlie has a very different level of power in the sense of she is so much more prominent but what what are the levers of power that they hold 
And same with the Kardashians. You know, this the Kardashians include six women, Kim, Chris, the other ones, and they all have different lives. And I, I don't like, can you really say that Chloe has the same amount of power as Chris, who literally has a church to avoid paying taxes, allegedly? I don't know all of the details. There are so many interesting questions when we think about power in a media channel. And I wish that this had been addressed and we had more of an understanding of what they mean by power, what is self-generated power, self-owned power versus power that comes from either exposure or proximity, which are two different things. Of course, and obviously, and it makes total sense, focused on women who are in front of the cameras, but I would love them to also feature some of the highest like producers and editors and the people who are actually creating the shows, not just as hosts, but who are behind the scenes working on, on making these shows happen because that is very interesting. I know at least New York, Real Housewives of New York has, I believe, a female executive producer, and I am guessing that they have some power. Okay. Speaking of missed opportunities, this segment is for the Disney Corporation. So if you're not the Disney Corporation, you can probably stop listening, but you don't have to. But this is really, listen, Disney, I'm talking to you, okay? I went and I saw Wish, which is their new animated movie that is kind of like a celebration of 100 years of Disney. And... um. It's just, it was such a missed opportunity. It was like, it was like Mad Libs for a Disney movie. Like a beautiful young adolescent woman lives in a blank kingdom. And there is an evil blank. And she wants, you know, it's just like very Mad Libs. And... The problem is that the plot didn't make any sense and that um, the, the music doesn't coalesce with the story itself and it doesn't do much to move the plot forward. So in that sense, you know, it's it's not as good as a like Howard Ashman directed, led film and it's also no, like nowhere near what Lin-Manuel Miranda does and this might be unfair because I just watched Encanto again which in my opinion is a perfect movie. The thing about Disney in and creating this sort of landmark 100 year celebration film is that the plot is so disconnected from the brand identity. So it ends up being sort of this fragile story about granting wishes, which fine. But in terms of how Disney serves its audience in its everyday life, it's not really about granting wishes. It's about imagination and innovation and immersive experiences. And this movie was just not it. So I have some suggestions about what this movie could have looked like or felt like to connect it more to its brand identity. And I will link that uh, 
those suggestions in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you spending all of this time with me today. And we're going to be kind of evolving this format. Some things are going to stay the same. Some things are going to be different. But the most important thing is that we love this and we love it together. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful week and a great weekend and that you do something cringy without judging yourself for it. Let's all be Julia.